If you have your Bible, will you turn to Malachi chapter 1 and verse 6. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I be your father, I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts, to you priests who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? Amen. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable to you. We pray that each life will be transformed by the hearing of your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. This afternoon... As we celebrate our fathers, I also remember that as a young father, one of the things I loved doing was the bathing of children. You know, I loved bathing my kids and any other kids that came my way, especially like the age of two, three, when they can communicate to you, with you. It's very, very nice experience. Um, and still, as an older person, I really long for look, for, look to that. I don't get that chance to, you know, birth a baby or a child. I wish I had that still doing in my, going on in my life. Amen. And uh, there are a few other things I enjoy doing as a father. One of them is washing dishes. I enjoy when it's a very busy day and dishes are loaded. I don't mind at all. I like to pull up the sleeve and then enjoy that role. I, I, when people want to compete with me, I don't like it at all. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, we're talking about fatherhood. I don't think we are the first to celebrate fatherhood in this church, nor in any other part of the world. As we celebrate fatherhood, I want us to be reminded of one fundamental truth in these few moments I'll share with you. That the pattern that we read about in the Bible, that we even see in the church sometimes, is not unfortunately the norm. We have errant, more errant fathers than normal fatherhood. What we see, the ideal things that the children there depicted is oftentimes an exception to the rule. But we pray that our men here will be part of that exception. Say amen. And in the Bible, you see that there are quite a number of people who though are known for greatness as fathers, also had times that raised questions about the ideal father. Hallelujah. And the past few weeks I've been engaged with that. The people we call the patriarchs. Those that are the fundamental fathers of our faith. And I'm talking about people like Noah. I'm talking about people like Abraham. I'm talking about people like Isaac. Talking about people like Jacob. Talking about people that 
we treasure in our faith that are supposed to have laid a solid foundation. And notwithstanding the fact that there were, I would say, errors or deviations, God's grace upon them as fathers to be honored was not taken. Say amen. You know, I read a story of Noah. And I saw that God honored Noah as the most righteous person in his time. Hallelujah. But the scripture said when Noah came out of the deluge, the, the, the flood, and he established his family, the first thing he did was to plant a vineyard. And the scripture said he drank out of the vineyard and slept. That was an error, I think. Because he, 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 he got so drunk and his nakedness was exposed. I'm not judging Noah, but I'm making a spiritual point. When fathers err, what do you do? That's the title of my message. When fathers err. That's the simple message. Because we are in a situation where we look at fathers as very, very, today we are celebrating fathers as people who cannot, you know, err, faultless. But the reality of life is that fathers do err. And when fathers err, what do you do? Does it take away what God has preserved for them? And how can we still remain in a place of blessing in spite of our perceived interpretation of their error? Hallelujah. Noah had a story. When he came to Father Abraham, the Bible said, his wife, after they were struggling with having kids, asked him to sleep with his maid. He did not consult God. So you could say that he ate because it became a thorn in his flesh to the end that Hagar, the products of Hagar and their descendants became a problem for Abraham today. But did it take away who Abraham was and what Abraham had meant to his generation and to our generation? Amen. And we move quickly to Isaac. That's my focus. The scripture says in Genesis 25, towards the end, when Isaac married Rebekah, and she could not have a child, they besieged the Lord. And the Lord said, two nations are in the womb of the woman. The younger will serve the, the older will serve the younger. Prophetically, it had to be fulfilled. But did Isaac have to choose his older son because of venison, because of food? Deer meat, antelope meat. If a father today were to make a choice of a blessing, I want to bless my son because of food he, he has made for me. I'm very sure we all say, this man is not spiritual. Don't kid yourself, brother, sister. We have come to a very, an age of knowledge well, we all think that we all know it all. We understand it all. I can't understand how Isaac, a man 
who we call a patriarch, a man who was supposed to know God, would use food as his measure of deciding to bless his son and to pass on the blessing. That tells you that men are human beings. Say amen. So when fathers err, what do you also do? What must I do? Isaac, a patriarch, chooses Esau, one that God had rejected, over Jacob, that was blessed of God. We saw the consequence. Even Jacob, who was supposed to be receiving the blessing, when you look at the life of Jacob, from the time he took the blessing, he saw the blessing, two cases, up to the time when he reconciled with his brother, issues he had. Even beyond that, some of the issues still trade him. Look at his children. Look at Reuben, who slept with his, his father's wife. That's, that's what the scripture said. Look at the consequence that Jacob's trickery brought upon his household. Reuben, Judah, through whom we have our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about the fact that Judah, he in chapter 38, his son had a, a wife. And when the son died, he promised to give another child to a woman. Didn't do it. He did not keep his word, just like his, uh, some of his predecessors did. And what happened to him? The Bible said, one day, this woman posed as a harlot. And Judah slept with the harlot. And the Bible said, they had a child or children later following. And as a result, that out of that seed, our Lord Jesus Christ came. How do I understand God's arrangement in this? And still, God says, honor your mother and your father. Because if it's today, a lot of us, when our fathers and our mothers, our, our fathers and our grandfathers decide to take a second wife, we quarrel with their family for life. Today, some of your siblings and some of the relatives you never talk to because of that. You never saw, how can a man who has been coached in all the rules and engagement of spirituality and church create, I mean, do such a thing? And today, some of us are living in the pain and the agony. Today, I declare to you, release that man. Release that person. God sent me today to just let us know that there is something we can do, even if the Father asks. Say amen. I can't understand how God will allow Eli, a priest who was backsliding, to have spiritual understanding. He produced, he spoke to Hannah and said, even in his drunkenness, supposedly, said, what you are desired, a year by this time, it will happen to you. And the man was probably drunk. Because he was telling the woman, you, you probably have taken too much. 
I'm not encouraging you to drink. Don't, don't go, don't, don't say, said, oh, I can be like Eli. That's not what I'm saying. And I say so especially to men. Because sometimes in the church, people too can be there and be still doing small, small. Amen. But Eli, in his so-called backsliding state, there was still some fire in him. Oh, how can I say about David? David, a man that God called his own. After his own heart. And here comes David, king. Because he came in place of a rejected king. In fact, when they talk about the kings of Israel, Saul is not really mentioned. Israel, the, today, the Jews don't talk about Saul. They talk about David. Because the throne of David is what they are proud of. They talk about the star of David. So somebody that has been used, Jesus Christ was even called son of David. It's amazing. Then we find him in Aaron. Takes somebody's wife, commits murder. And the consequence, he faced the consequence. Absalom, Adonijah, all the confusion in his home was a result of that. Now, what am I trying to say? See, when a man is put in a place by God as a father, you and I that, that stand by, we should know, the scripture said, the head of every woman is a man. And the head of every man is God, or is Christ. And the head of Christ is God. Now sometimes, what we, we, the problem we have many times, we try to play the, the judgmental role, the judgment role of God. David was judged by God. All these people, their cases were handled by God. They were not handled by the people. Now many times we try to accept God in that role. God knows how to deal with his people. If a man does not do what he is supposed to do for his household, God knows that there are consequences. That man will surely face the consequence. Say amen. But for you and I, we need to be careful to react, not to react in an ungodly manner. There are many people who despise people who are fathers in their lives for the wrong reasons. Husbands are fathers in their lives of wives. Sometimes you can, we, we can write off our husband because he doesn't have what other men have in terms of image, in terms of even spirituality, in terms of the way we see others. And we despise our own. We can despise our spiritual fathers. Your pastor, your leader, your deacon. Because he, he, he doesn't have the earth. When he's coming, he doesn't have many bodyguards. He doesn't, have, he doesn't wear, a, 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 what do you call it? A, a mitre. He doesn't have a staff. He doesn't have a sword. All the things that make one look very, very powerful. He doesn't have it. He doesn't have a great title, an ecclesiastical title that can intimidate you. Hallelujah. So a lot of times we, 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 don't, we don't think that he's got it. We want one that has it. Whether it's a spiritual father, sometimes some of us have economic fathers, socio-economic fathers, somebody that can look after you, but 
or be a model for you in society. He may not have given birth to you naturally, but he's also your father. Or maybe your father died early and your senior brother took over. But the way it is, he's not the way, the kind of person you, you, he's not being responsible. Your birthday, like she said, your birthday, your whatever, your occasions, your naming, your, your getting married, things are happening. They don't show, they don't do what they have to do. So that social father, that uncle, or bro- big brother, or cousin, is not that you don't so your father be in your scheme of things, you have lost it. But in the sight of God, you are missing out something. Are you hearing me, beloved in the Lord? These are serious matters. We have all kinds of fathers. Spiritual fathers, even the spiritual fathers, we are those who gave birth to you in the Lord. And those who nurtured you. I have spiritual fa- different types of spiritual fathers. Different ones, including church father, like the senior pastor becomes my father because he, the spiritual foundation in which I find myself, he is my father. And he is your father. In the apostolic regime, I also have spiritual fathers because there are people that I have, been, have built ties with in a spiritual manner that is still very significant. Like, for example, I, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost under the ministry of Archbishop. Archbishop has forever been a father. Even though I don't see him every day, what he's deposited over the years is still working with me. And I, I don't despise it. And I don't look at him as he has done this or that or doesn't do no. And if your father, no matter how he just as our biological fathers, we don't change, they don't change identity because of what they did or they didn't do. My biological father didn't pay my school fees. He has never paid my fees. But he's still my biological father. And I still have to honor him. I have to bless him. And I'll teach you how to bless your father. Amen. We are not being blessed because a lot of things God has decided that he will only channel those blessings through fathers. And because we have despised fathers, spiritual fathers, natural fathers, economic fathers, social fathers, and other kinds of fathers that are in our lives, we are not being blessed. Marital fathers. Like you know what I mean. For sometimes you marry somebody and their father is not as nice. Or their person who raised them, their uncle or their relatives, they are not as nice. But they are they are godfathers, they are their girl. You and you see, you cannot you see, if you understand the scripture, first John five, one and two says, He that loveth. Loveth him that is begotten of him. Love me, love my dog. <laughs> Hallelujah. It is not right, it is not proper. You cannot say that, oh, I love brother so and so, but his wife is some way. Or his child is some way. I, I respect pastor so and so. I honor this one, but this one that is around him or her, I don't like. So you have a different position. No. It's not biblical. And it, de- it denies us of divine blessing. Are you hearing me? Many of us have our own definition of how to honor people that we think we should honor. But you see, it's important that we do biblical, godly definition. Let's not look at the way the world looks at things. Time will not allow me, but I'll just run through some of the things. 
see, we fathers are privileged to birth new things. Fatherhood is about birthing. We, the seed of life begins with fatherhood. Are you with me? We are supposed to guide and to guard creation. God gave Adam that responsibility. According to Genesis 1, 26, 28. Proverbs 22, 20, uh, verse 6 tells us that train up a child the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. So we are, we are the guardians of society. We are supposed to, so we must have a syllabus for nurturing the people with us. If you are a husband, you must have a master plan, a vision. If you are a, a, a teacher, a leader in any capacity, in the office, you are a father to your staff, you must have a vision. You must know how you're going to guide the people to where God wants them to be. If any role that God has placed you and I as fathers, there is something about leading them through guidance and through guarding them. The enemy will come from different angles. It's our duty to stand up in their favor. Say amen. We are to lay for them a great foundation. Proverbs 13 verse 22 tells us that a good father lays, gives an inheritance to his father and fathers, uh, to his children and children's children. And here we are not talking about just physical Look at the life of Isaac. Look at the life of Abraham. The Bible said he was so rich. When he was dying, the Bible said he gave his uh, um, assets to Isaac. So, fathers, we are not meant to live for today. Our spiritual heritage that we have, what we believe, our values, it's not for us alone that you have made it. What happens to those under you? Be they wife, be they children, be they sisters. You know, some of us are fathers over our sisters. You may be a father over your sisters. You may be a father over your younger brothers. And whatever inheritance you have, spiritual, natural, your intellectual capacity is an asset. When we talk about passing on an inheritance, it's not just about leaving houses. Many people who had homes all over the country, good places, cantonments, Laboni, airport, all these places. Many have died and gone. And their homes don't belong to their children physically. But if you pass on your spiritual heritage. If you pass on your wisdom and your knowledge and your understanding. And your vision in life. The children, the legacy will continue. Say amen. How, what is God expecting of us as fathers? Beyond living an inheritance. God expects us. To make a way for them. The scripture talks about David. When David died, his son Solomon took over. And Hiram, who was a friend of David, called Solomon and said, Now your father is dead. Your father was a good man. For the sake of your father, I will help you to build cities. Can we look beyond ourselves? Fathers are way makers. Your name should open doors for your children. People should enter if you are a spiritual father. People should mention your name in places and doors open. Hallelujah. If you are a social father, you are an economic father, people should mention your name. Your integrity must open doors. Your goodwill must open doors. Your values must open doors. This fatherhood, which is only limited to a four square building, a wall, is no fatherhood. Fatherhood, that cannot lay a foundation, that cannot open doors. 
for the coming generation. That you, when you mention beyond the, the, square, the, the, the four walls of your home, it doesn't have any impact. Rather, maybe even to the contrary, it offers negative impact. It's dangerous. The child will run away from that identity. There are some names today, even in Ghanaian politics, you know. When you mention nobody, you, the, everybody will ask you, are you so so and so? Are you, I, then you have to explain. Then your explanation becomes long. Hallelujah. I will mention for the sake of security. But we all know that certain names, especially when it comes to money, 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 money. Nobody has to tell you. At least three top names will appear in your head if you have been reading the news. Fathers are to provide. Second Corinthians 12, 14. You know, there is something in our system these days that people think, that, oh, fatherhood is about getting, getting, getting. The Lord opened my eyes to this scripture. I said, ought not the fathers to lay up reserves for the children? Not only physically, but we must have extra oil, extra unction. Your child, spiritual child, cannot come to you for spiritual direction. And you are being a signboard all the time. We must have capacity, man. Man! Don't refer them to your wife to pray for them. If you have enough oil, gas, enough oil, you can lay hands on the sick child. Lay hands on your wife. Lay hands on that nephew. Lay hands on the niece. Lay hands on the houseboy. Speak a word of prophecy. Speak a word of direction. Let them have hope. No provision spiritually. Enough of provision physically. We pay for the fees of the children. We pay all the bills in the house. But when it comes to our spiritual energy, many of us are found wanting. And we are looking for prophets. We are looking for priests. We are looking for people to, to salvage the situation. He said, ought not the fathers to lay up reserves for the children? Where is your oil? Where is your oil? Where is your unction? Where is the grace you have, the favor you have with God to speak and let things happen? Look at Jacob. He said, look, you, Reuben, this is what will happen to you. The man had something in his belly. He said of Judah, even though Judah has done all the things he had done, I don't know, I believe he must have reconciled with the father and talked about these things before. And in his deathbed, Jacob says, the scepter will not depart from you. Hallelujah. You are going to leave. By what calculation he came, I believe that he had the spiritual antenna tacked onto heaven. And God put it in his spirit and did it not happen many years down the line. We need men like that. We need men who can charge us spiritually. Who understand the workings of God. Who when their wives dream, they are not looking for prophet Obinim or somebody to give them meaning. But they can discern. And say, Let us pray. The Lord will show us the way. I know my God will make a way. And the woman has hope. And the child has hope. They are not discouraged. They are not afraid. We must have something. That is what fatherhood is about. Amen. Beloved, we are first and foremost intercessors. We need to lead the home and the people around us who we are fathering. It's not just title. 
Job, according to the scriptures in chapter 1 verse 5, whenever his children went to party around, he would come before the Lord and he would cry. And the Lord had mercy on them. Some of us even don't know where, what happens to our children. Even though we are in the church, we are born again, we, fully, the Holy, we speak in tongues, but we don't know, we don't understand that dimension. God is calling us to that responsibility. Say amen. Now I want to come to those of us here, the brethren. If we want to honor our fathers, according to Malachi 1.6, I want to give you just a few points and then we will close up in prayer. There are many ways in which a father can be honored. Number one, simple obedience. When you read the story of Genesis 27, Isaac and his children. Isaac said, go into the bush and bring. And because of that, he was, he, the children obeyed. Even though Jacob cut corners, it was still obedience. When you look at Jesus himself, Philippians 2, 5, talks about it. God, the Father, saw that Jesus through obedience even to the cross. Therefore, the Father has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name. Obedience is the key to honor. When the Father was honored, he promoted the Son. Hallelujah. Giving is a way to honor fathers. Giving time. Today, people, young people don't have time. Nobody has time for anybody. Everybody is busy. But you see, when you give of your substance, give of your time, give of your service, then the person is honored. They will bless you. Hallelujah. They will bless you. Just say, oh, my father is not a believer, so he cannot bless me. Your father, whether he's a believer or unbeliever, he can still bless you. He can still bless you. There is a blessing that God has picked only by that man. And no other person can give. Unless that person has a higher spiritual authority to nullify it. And it's very rare to get that. There are some, there are rules of engagement in the spiritual realm. And there are things that only a husband can give to a wife or a child. There are other things other people may give you. And that we can't do anything about. Amen. There are things that only a spiritual father can give to you. Your economic father or your financial father or your social father cannot do. They may want to do it, but they are, by divine arrangement they cannot do. They will have to negotiate spiritually for it to happen. If you don't understand, ask why Satan was fighting over the body of Moses with Angel Michael. You don't understand. I don't understand it, but it happened. <laughs> Hallelujah. So there are things that happen in the spiritual realm. We should not behave like we understand it all. Because Deuteronomy 29, 29 tells us secret things belong to God. No matter what, a father is a father. It's not his height. Neither is it his wealth or his knowledge. He can even, he can even lose his mind. He's still a father. Obedience. Given. Talking well. Speaking well about fathers. If you look at the scriptures many times. Speaking well about fathers. Even Jesus, 
The disciples, people will be even what they were thinking in their hearts, he will speak up. He, he knew. People despised him in, in their heart, and he knew. It's a way of honoring people. Forgiveness. If you want your father to honor you, and you want to, you want to honor your father, forgive him, your spiritual father, your natural father, biological father, marriage father, work father. Forgiveness. You see, because these people that we call fathers, they err. They err. And sometimes it hurts. And it, as Ghanaians say, it pains. You feel it. How can a mother, Rebecca, even though she was a mother, play the role of a father? How can a mother, according to my, uh, 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 the book of Genesis 27, verse 15, go to the room of another son, choose, the Bible says, and he, he chose the choicest, the best clothing of Esau and put it on Isaac, on, on Jacob. A dormo. Hey, yeah. When you are a child and you see open-handed discrimination in your home by your father, by your mother, no pastor, bishop, apostle can easily dissuade you from revenge. I'm telling you. Because you are a human being, you say, But in the line of God, that's not the way it should be. That's not the way it is. And many have missed their blessing by offense. Because these people call fathers. They are nice. They, all the nice things are children, they are there. But sometimes, they can be some way. Very provocative. Very tempting. Very insulting, to say the least. Sometimes arrogant. Sometimes difficult. We are difficult. I'm one of them. Hallelujah. That's why the scripture said in Ephesians 4 verse 3, it says, endeavoring to maintain the unity of the faith in the bond of peace. You have to force to keep peace with fathers. I have to force to, to make peace with my biological father who has never paid my fees, but wants to enjoy. And the people who don't help, they are the people who like to enjoy. And sometimes they will be dictating. Amen. And it can be irritating. It can be provocative. It can be annoying. When the, the woman was struggling all alone and looking after that daughter or that son, you were having a, a happy-go-lucky time with other women and blowing. And hey! And the woman has suffered through the rain, through the sun. And then the child comes and they, they now becomes a professional and doing well. And they say, eh, Moko can tell me, but no, what? Onye me empty and now for their phone. And now say, Oh, you are saying, Rebecca said, Obe me and come If you are close to me, I would have knocked your forehead. My grandmother used to say, <laughs> I don't know what that meant. Your head and your, I, I think it's your, your I don't, what do you call this piece? It's also your head. This part of the head, what do you call it? The medical people. Doctor, what do you, no, pathologist is here. Where is he? Doctor, what do you call this part of the head? It's what? 
Vertex. Uh, you see, that the proper name is there. It's not head. It's vertex. It's a pathology, so he knows the true name. Amen. When, you, when we die by the grace of God at the right time, he is the one who cut us. <laughs> Amen. Okay, now listen. By good testimonies, by forgiveness. I don't like to say this, but the truth is this. If you want to honor your father, and I want to cover mothers, one of the things that it brings a lot of friction in homes is death. I've jumped a few things. I just want to wind up on this. And I've learned from the patriarchs that one of, even if your blessing has been, un, uh, has been locked, one best way to unlock your blessings is the way you honor your father in death. You have no idea. I've learned from reading Genesis. Look at Abraham. When his wife died in um, the early part of Genesis 25, 26, chapter 25, Sarah died. The Bible said he went to negotiate with the sons of Heth and said, I want to, he could, she could have been buried anywhere. But he said, he bought the caves as the Malkepela in Mamre and buried her there. When Isaac died, he told his children, take me back there. When Jacob was about to die in chapter 48, he told his sons, Joseph, said, look, I'm about to die. Don't take it anyhow. When I die, I want to lie with my fathers. I don't understand why he says so. But why, why should the patriarchs make it so critical? I believe it has to do with honor. Amen. Those of us who are offended and because your father didn't do what he had to do, or somebody didn't do what they had to do, so you have decided that, as you used to see in, the, in, the, in the, those days, when I die, don't come to my funeral. And then that, that was the case, if your father says so to you, and you'll be afraid. Listen, Joseph died, and Jacob died, and the Bible said, Joseph and the whole of Egypt mourned him seven days. And after his death, the Bible says after seven days, they took him to Canaan. For 40 days, they mourned him in Canaan. And after the Canaan, before Joseph came to celebrate and thank the Lord. I don't understand. I don't know why. But why God allowed Jacob to set that pattern? Now, why did God prophesy about Jesus and his death? He made in the book of Isaiah 53, he said, and he made his grave with the rich in his death. Why should Joseph of Arimathea go and take the body of Christ and bury? It tells me something about honor. You, that is different from necromancy. Don't go and call her, don't go and pour water and libation on your mother or your father's funeral and call it. No, that's not right. But honoring people. That play a role, fatherly role, especially in your life, is critical for you to unlock the blessing of God. Beloved, I have to wind up. But I have seen in this life that we don't know it all. I have seen that I need to be measured as a young man coming up. There are many secret things. The Bible says the secret things belong to God. But I need to know God's principles. 
Why God put those things there? Just, I just have to flow with it so I can untap the blessing. Why and how I have to be the one to go through it? Why did Esau have to suffer as the firstborn? Why did Reuben have to go through all that? I don't, that is not my issue. It has reached my turn. How can I untap the blessing of God? How can I get into what God has for me? Number one, I need to be like Phinehas in Numbers 25, verse 7 to 11. I need to stop the plague by my zeal. There has to be something like what the prodigal son said. He said, I will arise and go to my father. And I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. There has to be an about ten. I said, no, this cannot continue. This acrimony, this anger, this pain, this, this, this situation that has come as a result of the error of my father or whoever cannot continue. I, there has to be a break. And the Bible said, and when the Lord saw the zeal of Phinehas, he restrained the plague. Be the Phinehas of your time. Change the direction of your, your whole generation. Your brothers and sisters and the people around you in the workplace, wherever you find yourself, where disloyalty and confusion about submission to fatherhood has caused us a lot of pain. Say that it will not be me. The enemy will not run over me to establish his purpose. I will be the, the game changer. I will be the one that will bring about that transformation. I will be the Phinehas in my time. Number two, as we think about these things, say, Lord, give me a new heart. David saw it when he got into the problem. He said, create in me a clean heart. And you renew a right spirit within me, O Lord. Psalm 51, verse 10. In Genesis 32, when Jacob was about to go and encounter his brother, he sought divine help. You see, some of these things I'm talking about, they are so heavy. When you look at it naturally, you will say, this one no go be that. The way the person has offended me, the way things are, the way I've been abused and disrespected and all that, I've been cheated, I've been, I've, I've been relegated. I don't, I, I don't see how I do it. So for this one, so you, you people your level. But Jacob, seeing how dangerous it was to meet Esau, the Bible said in chapter 32, he said, Lord my God, if you can help me to face my brother, if you can, because he knew that his brother, he had cheated the brother so much, he was angry, and he saw that the, what was coming upon him, his brother could have killed him. So he said, Lord help me. You see, there are these things, when we are talking about, except divine intervention comes, you cannot do it. Except the Lord helps us, we cannot do it. We can't make a mess. We can't build the bridges. That's a note on which I want to end. Let us bow our heads. As we think about these things, as we renounce, fathers do err. But when they err, will we, shall we have forgiveness in our hearts? Shall we have grace to accept them? And do we also know, even when they err, there is the power and the authority, there is still something working. And it can work for or it can work against you. But if you want to nullify it, then let us pray to God this morning, this afternoon. I don't know, somebody may be here who says, Pastor, I want you to pray with me. Because we need divine intervention in this matter. It's not something I want to leave for you to just go. I want to, uh, to uh, uh, this word is something the Lord gave to me. I've shared with one or two people and I want to share, I'm sharing with you and I want you to take a step and come. I'll pray with you before we leave here in a minute. 
Please, um, the king's voices will sing for the offering. Don't worry. King's voices will sing. So you go and pray. King's voices will sing. The a cappella group will sing for the offering. But before then, we want to just come to the Lord. Is anyone who says, Pastor, this thing is hard for me, so I want to come so that we pray together. You can come, we will pray. This thing is too hard. This mountain is too hard for me to climb. You can take a step and come. We don't have much time. Come and let's pray. There's so much pain. There's so much agony. You need a divine intervention. Saying like the prodigal son, Oh Lord, I will go back to you. I want my position restored in the house. The pain is too much. I've been deprived by Lord. Only you. Only you. I want grace. I want boldness. I want wisdom to handle this difficult situation. I want forgiveness in my heart for these ones. Joseph's brothers offended him. And he was so upset. But when in the end they came to him begging, Bible said, he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. This day, whatever your ache, God means it for good. As we pray together, lift up your hands. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you continue to work in the hearts of your people. That, Lord, whatever as men we need to do, we will not cause offense, but we will unite families, we will heal wounds, and establish your purposes in our time. In Jesus' name, amen.